Hey everybody, how you doing? Bill Calarulo back for another episode of Legal Hands to the Face. Today we're going to talk about that god-awful preseason game against the Patriots. What the national media is now reporting, which I said last week if you were watching. And we're also going to talk about the dumbest rule in the NFL. Roll the intro. The Legal Hands to the Face podcast with Bill Colarulo. All right, everybody. A horrible, horrible showing in that preseason game against the New England Patriots. 35-0. I know it's a preseason game, but you never want to see a score that looks like that. 35-0. But ultimately, it means nothing. Preseason is like practice. And when you have what happened to the Eagles occur in the pregame, that's going to throw a curveball to the entire team. Jalen Hurts warms up. He's supposed to play. They're supposed to have the starters in for at least a few series. He develops some sort of stomach issue that sends him to the hospital. So now they change all the plans 10 minutes before kickoff. Half the team doesn't play. Actually, more than half the team doesn't play. In fact, Ruben Frank over at NBC Sports Philadelphia did the analysis. 17 of the projected 22 starters either didn't play at all or played less than 10 snaps. That's less than two series. So you only had five of your projected starters play more than 10 snaps in that game. So basically what it meant was the New England Patriots starters are better than the Philadelphia Eagles second and third stringers. Surprise, surprise. I'm not concerned. I'm really not concerned. What I did like to see was even though they did not play well, there were a few players who I thought stood out. And even though the defense overall didn't look that great, I thought their linebackers looked pretty good. You know, we talked a little bit last week about Eric Wilson, but what we didn't talk about were the two other linebackers, TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton. This guy, Alex Singleton, is all over the field. Now, he did miss an open field tackle in the first quarter, which I didn't like, but he bounced back. I mean, he's everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if this season, if he stays healthy, that he's in the top five tackles in the NFL all over the place, was a great player in the Canadian Football League, came down, played half the season last year, maybe three quarters of the season towards the end, but he looks like he's going to be a good player. And TJ Edwards looks like he's coming along as well. So the linebacker core, I think, is going to be a much improved core this year. We don't need to reminisce about Nate Gary and the problems they had last year, but I think the linebackers are going to be improved. And I also liked what we saw out of Devontae Smith. You know, not surprisingly, he starts off the game, his first time ever playing in an NFL game, little bit of jitters, you know, didn't look as smooth as he normally does, then comes out strong, had a couple nice catches. There was one route he ran on a third down play, which was just so smooth, how quick he is off the line, how fast he makes his breaks. In fact, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, tweeted how much of a stud this guy looks like. So, you know, it's always good when you have an a all-pro wide receiver watching a preseason game saying, look at this guy jumping off the line, look how good he is. So, you know, overall, you don't like to see a 35-0 blowout, but you saw some good things. And in certain ways, getting beat 35-0 could be a good thing. You know, this team, the buzz was starting to be, hey, you know, they look good in practice. They dominated the Patriots over the two days of joint practices. This team's coming along. Well, you have a game like that, and granted, only five starters played more than 10 snaps, but when you have a game like that, it almost refocuses you. It almost resets you. You get your butt kicked. 
You come back to practice the next day, you're more focused, you want to work harder because you start to realize, you know what, we still have a long way to go. So that preseason game, I'm okay with it. You know, now there's a lot of talk in the local media, should Jalen Hurts play against the Jets in the next preseason game? And honestly, they're going to have these joint practices. I'm going to rely on Nick Sirianni. He knows what he's doing. This coaching staff knows what they're doing a lot more than fans do about who should play and, and who shouldn't play. I mean, ultimately, if Jalen Hurts would have played against the Patriots, he probably would have played one or two series. You know, eight plays, 10 plays, is that really going to make or break this guy's season? I don't think so. So I'm okay if they decide he's not dressing in the Jets game. He had some experience last year. They're getting some great work in these joint practices. And really, it's all going to come down to that first game of the year against the Atlanta Falcons, how he looks and how he plays. So moving on. Did want to talk about one thing that I did not like in the, the preseason game, and, and that was this Zeke McPherson, this fourth-round draft pick they got who's a, a corner. All the stories out of training camp is that this guy looks like he's going to be a real player. He, he battles. He's, he's got great. He's a ball hawk. He's got great eyes on the ball. He's very, very handsy, so he's a very physical corner. Really didn't translate over into this preseason game. But you also got to take a step back and remember, he's a fourth-round draft pick. You expect to see some of these growing pains, but I would have hoped to see a little bit more. But then a guy that I'm really, really excited about is a fifth-round draft pick, Kenny Gainwell. You may have heard his name. He's a running back out of Memphis. This guy looks like he is going to be that guy they want. I talked last week about how Nick Sirianni really wants to fill that role similar to the Naeem Hines in Indianapolis, where you can catch the ball out of the backfield and you really have that weapon out of the backfield. Man, does Kenny Gainwell look like he could be that guy. He's quick, he's elusive, and he's got great hands. You know, something that Miles Sanders is struggling with through camp. You know, I think Miles Sanders is probably the best running back of the group, but if he's going to struggle catching the ball out of the backfield, they're going to have to find somebody else that can come in on those third down situations that can catch the ball out of the backfield, be that running back to go with the screen passes and things like that. I think Kenny Gainwell may be the guy. You know, so you're looking at Howie Roseman. We've talked about it. His draft picks have been horrible over the last few years. So far, I know it's just preseason. I know it's just practice. Looks like we got a few players that could really, really be some solid draft picks. One is Kenny Gainwell. I talked last week about this Milton Williams at defensive end, defensive tackle. This guy looks like an absolute stud. I mean, he really, really does. And again, in a blowout loss, 35-0, one of the bright spots was watching Milton Williams, how much he can dominate. On one series, he had two offensive holding calls against him because he was just too much, too strong, too quick for the tackle that was trying to block him. So that was good to see. That was good to see. You know, one of the most frustrating things in this preseason for me is when I played college football, I was a tight end. So I love the tight end position. You know, we went into this year knowing Dallas Goddard was probably going to be the starter. Everyone assumed Zach Ertz wasn't going to be here. Well, he's back, and thank goodness he is, because after Goddard and Ertz, a lot of question marks. You know, they did bring back Richard Rodgers, former Green Bay Packer tight end, came on Strong last year, had some good, some good games catching the football. But one of the guys I was so excited about was this Tyree Jackson. 
If you haven't heard of him, it doesn't surprise me, but the kid looks like he's going to be phenomenal. He's a quarterback out of the University of Buffalo. He is, let me make sure I get this correct, he's 6'7", 250 pounds, and he is an athlete. As a former quarterback, this kid can move. He decides in the offseason to transition from quarterback to tight end. And in one year making that transition, he was making plays all over the field. I mean, if you read any stories about training camp, there was a lot of talk and a lot of buzz about this Tyree Jackson. Unfortunately, in last week's practice, goes up to make a catch, came down hard on his back, fractured his back. He's out eight to 10 weeks. So it's probably going to be hard for him to crack the lineup this year. But that's a name, remember, in the years to come, if the Eagles can hold on to this guy, Tyree Jackson is going to be a stud tight end in the future. But it's good that they have Goddard. It's good that they have Ertz. Their other tight end, Jason Kroom, season-ending injury in the preseason game against the Patriots. So turns out Zach Ertz staying on this team may be a real positive going forward. And you know, Jalen Hurts being a young quarterback, if you watch football, you know one of the best things for a young quarterback is to have tight ends that are reliable, that can get open, that when you're struggling a little bit, you can find them on those short routes to maybe gain some confidence. So I'm excited that we have Ertz back, but you, you got to see a big jump from Dallas Goddard this year. You know, there, He looks like he's a good player. There's, there's flashes of it, but he's never turned that corner to going from good to very good to great. I want to see that this year. It looks like he has all those intangibles. He's got all the skills. Can that translate onto the football field? So we will see how that goes. Now, I spoke last week about Jalen Hurts, and I talked about his, his leadership and that I thought this team was really buying into the culture that he was bringing. Well, I guess the national media was watching the podcast because all the talk on national media this week, you had uh, a, lot of, a lot of big, big reporters tweeting and reporting that the Philadelphia Eagles are buying in. The players are buying in that Jalen Hurts is their quarterback, that Jalen Hurts is their guy, that this is his franchise, that he is a leader, that they want to follow him. Everything I said last week looks like it's coming to fruition. You know, we will see how that goes. Again, real unfortunate stomach virus or stomach issue, had to go to the hospital. You know, from what we know about Jalen Hurts, he is a tough guy. So, if he was unable to play in that preseason game, I'm sure it was something serious. I'm sure it was a smart decision by the coaches to hold him out. But if you listen to the national media this week, saying what I said last week, Jalen Hurts is a leader. These players want to play for him, and they're all rallying behind him. I'm excited to see it. So if you watched last week, you probably know I'm, I'm an attorney, right? So what do we do as lawyers? We, we analyze laws. We analyze rules. And every year, the NFL Competition Committee decides that they're going to focus on different things. You know, over the last few years, a lot of the focus has been on leading with the helmet, you know, how they tackle to try to prevent head injuries. Great thing. Fully support this. We know head injuries is a real problem, and all the changes they can make to fix this, I am all for. But this year... They just released a video, about a five-minute video, talking about the different things that they want to emphasize this year. And one of the things they want to emphasize is taunting. They want to limit taunting. There's going to be a real focus on referees giving 15-yard penalties for taunting. But when you have a rule or you have a law, what you do, especially as an attorney, is you read it and you try to interpret what it means. 
So what the NFL rule on taunting is now is they're defining taunting, and this is, quote, baiting or taunting acts or words that may engender ill will between teams. What the heck does that mean? Engender ill will between teams. These are two football teams who are beating the snot out of each other, trying to win a game. There's already ill will, okay? But what I find most disturbing about this law is, or excuse me, this rule, and it's similar to laws, when there's too much room for interpretation. When referees have too much discretion to interpret the rule, the players won't know what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable week to week. The referees change. So you're not going to know what may draw a 15-yard penalty. And a 15-yard penalty in football is a huge penalty. I mean, that is a lot of yards. And to take it a step further, which is scary, if you get two taunting penalties, you're ejected from the game. So I think what the NFL needs to make sure they do is, and I understand, I understand you don't want to showboat and you don't want to show up you know, the, the opposing team. I get that. But if you've watched any of the preseason games this year, these refs are flowing, throwing flags on players who are simply excited after a play. You know, there was a player, I think it was the San Diego Chargers, I can't remember, running back, busted through the line, carried four or five players, kept breaking tackles, finally gets tackled, and he gets up and he flexes. They threw a flag. That, I think, is unacceptable. I get, you know, a guy is running for an open field touchdown and he turns around and starts pointing at the cornerback. Okay, throw the flag. But something like that, where you have a running back who's just excited after a long run, you can't do that. So I think what the NFL needs to do is make sure that there's not a lot of room for interpretation. It needs to be consistent, and it needs to be enforced consistently. And that's a problem that you see with rules, with laws. When there's discretion involved, it makes it very difficult to know what's permitted. And as we're talking about rules... Wanted to mention the dumbest rule in the NFL. The dumbest rule. Makes zero sense to me. I've played football for a long time. This rule never made sense. If you fumble the ball in the field of play and it goes out of bounds, the fumbling team gets the ball where it goes out of bounds. But if you fumble the ball into the end zone, the other team gets the ball at the 20-yard line on a touchback. Why? Why? I've tried to research this. I've tried to figure out why the NFL has this rule. It makes zero sense. You fumble the ball out of bounds at the one-inch line, it's your ball at the one-inch line. If it goes one more inch and goes out of bounds in the end zone, it's the other team's ball at the 20. Zero sense. Does not make any sense. NFL, get your act together. Get these rules. No interpretations, please, on the taunting rule. And fix that rule about the touchback. It just doesn't make any sense. That was it for the Legal Hands to the Face podcast this week. Be sure to tune in. We're still in the preseason, so we're getting this thing going. But as the season approaches, be on the lookout for some great guests, some great guest appearances. Hope to see you guys soon. Be sure to subscribe. Legal Hands to the Face.